18th episode of the Creative Flow podcast series, hosted by Anthony Bellani and Kim Marie McKernan. It features discussions with thinkers and change agents important to the science of creativity. We would like to welcome John Frederick, a lifelong educator who established a leadership development center at Buffalo State College and taught at the International Center for Studies in Creativity, SUNY Buffalo State, for 25 years. He created the Center for Executive Leadership at Damon College and designed the Executive Leadership and Change MS program. John won the Distinguished Leader Award at the Creative Education Foundation and has led sessions and attended the Creative Problem Solving Institute, or SIPSI, for over 38 years. He is also a founding member of the Mindfulness Alliance and a past board member of Leadership Buffalo. Welcome, John. John, could you please share with us the story of how you became involved in deliberate creativity? Sure. Thanks for having me, Ken and Tony. Um, it is a story, and one that I remember vividly. And it was the spring of 1970. And uh, I had gotten some mail. I was living uh, you know, with the parents, just about to graduate high school. And I got some mail. Uh, from Buff State, and I remember being up in my bedroom opening this uh, the mail, and in the mail was an invitation in a postcard, and I've uh, since referred to this as the postcard that changed my life, and the, the card was a response to a, uh, an invitation to join a research study that was called the Creativity Project. And uh, I, I found the postcard, it's in some archive materials around, but it's, you know, it starts off, I'm hereby applying for enrollment in the creative study sequence of four courses. And I vividly remember having that postcard up in my bedroom and filling it out and then sending it in. Um, so that, that was the introduction. And come to find out, I, I did look into this. I guess there were um, 300 and some people invited. These are all freshmen in that year. 150 of them were in the experimental group, which I was one of those 150. And we did the four courses over four semesters um, with uh, Sid Parnes and Ruth Noller. And uh, quite an experience. I'll remember one of my projects, this is one of my other little memories, is we had to create something using our creativity, come up with a, uh, an, something tangible output. And I ended up doing a, uh, a kind of a, an audio uh, routine with Captain Creative. I uh, came up with Captain Creative. So when he was out there solving the, the world's problems and issues, he would break into, uh, you know, in what ways might we kind of uh, problem solving approaches. That was his uh, Captain Creative superpower. So that, that was kind of cool. Wonderful. So John, why was that uh, su such a significant study? Well, I think the study itself uh, was groundbreaking and proving that creativity could be improved slash taught uh, using deliberate methods. Um, much of the involvement, uh, involved measurement, you know, we would have um, the pre and post tests before the semester. And I'm, uh, I was always part of the experimental group, but I think the control group had those same, uh, those same types of measurements done. And it did show that particularly in the, um, well, in two areas, they looked for increased quantity. 
So um, were those persons able to create uh, greater numbers of ideas, but also increased quality of ideas? They had, um, and I was never involved or privy to how the judging was done, but they had graders that would look at the quality of ideas that came from these measurement sessions and uh, found that not only were there a greater quantity, but they were a higher level of quality. Great. And we, we all know because of, of our involvement with the center that there are still people who question whether everyone is creative. And, and this study really went very far in proving that in, in the science of creativity. Very much so. Yeah. So can you share with us how you, you have used creativity in your work? Do you have any success stories that you would like to share? Uh, for sure. Um, probably, I was trying to think one of the earliest uh, direct applications was after undergraduate, I came, I left the area for a year, came back to Buff State and went into the uh, graduate, uh, not the Creative Studies graduate program when I first graduated, it was not established. I ended up enrolling in the um, uh, student personnel graduate program. And as such, I was a residence hall director, a dorm director, as you like to refer to them. And in the, my second year of doing that, I was able to uh, be the director in the hall called the Creative Living Center. It was a really interesting experiment that all of the students in the uh, dormitory, which was South Wing at that time, I'm not sure, I think it's offices now, but all, all the students in that uh, dorm were required to take creative studies courses for that year. And so we would have workshops and guest speakers that would supplement uh, the coursework uh, that those students were involved in during the year. And they were very creative in terms of uh, getting around some of the rules and regulations, but also in dealing with issues. You know, the, uh, the resident assistants that would have to work with uh, any kind of issue that came up on, on the floor, they would actually apply some of the CPS tools and techniques and processes to work out things that would otherwise probably just be done as a, you know, a regular reprimand or some kind of judicial process. So it was pretty cool. Wow. Really sad in action. Yeah. That's very, very exciting. Um, and since you were there uh, um, pretty close to the beginning, um, and we know uh, that the history of creativity is uh, continuing to evolve um, in practice and in education, uh, what would be your reflections on how it has changed over time? Well, it's obviously become more, um, more accepted, even though there are still a number of, you had alluded to earlier, a number of uh, naysayers and challenges, but it's, it's become more nuanced and just the whole breakdown between uh, creativity and innovation. How are those, where they overlap? How are those different, different processes? So I think there's, there's more um, in-depth consideration of all of the nuanced applications and approaches to creativity uh, and innovation. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that we just uh, um, had that dust up over the article that came out uh, mm. um, where the author is talking about how might we not, you know, is BS. <laughs> it's like, um, we, we all know that those articles come out about every two years. And uh, true. 
Um, and the best part is Sid used to get those same types of protests all the way back in the 50s. Oh, sure. He would share those anecdotes. Yeah. So I think we still have a ways to go to keep spreading the gospel of uh, creativity. And you've certainly been there uh, at, at many junctures. Right. I can remember, I don't know if it was initially from Sid or just through those all, all those involvements, but one of the, the early shifts was not asking the question, uh, uh, are you creative or how are you, you know, how creative are you? It's how are you creative? And I think that's become more acceptance and recognizing the difference of style of creativity. One of my earliest applications was uh, working with leadership development and kind of a, a, a an analogy that I use there is there's a distinction between capital L leadership and small L leadership. Leadership with a title, responsibility versus just those persons who are making a difference uh, wherever they can within their circle of influence. And I think the same thing with creativity. You know, initially people think creativity, it was the artists, you know, it was the, uh, the painters, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I think now there's more recognition of small C creativity across the board. We've, we've done, certainly done our part to make that happen. Yeah, 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 for those folks who may not know about small seed, can you explain that, John? Well, I, I just think it goes back to recognizing that, uh, every, first of all, I think it's a mindset to get people to believe that they have the ability to be creative, however they define that, but to, to use their imagination and creative and critical thinking to come up with new and better ways to decide what it is we have to do and how we might do it and hopefully do do it together. And so I think that the recognition of difference of, of style has become really helpful. Um, you know, I know currently I'm at Damon College, I think you mentioned that, um, and we get into looking at the, uh, the different styles of, of creativity within the program and how important it is to recognize and honor those differences uh, within yourself as much as within those people that you're working with and hopefully trying to bring it out either as a capital L or a small L leader. Yeah. And I think it's, it, I had a reflection this week when I was thinking about what creative problem solving has done in my life. And I just think I use the small C all the time as a way of life, you know, that I don't see impediments anymore like I used to. There's always a way around it and there's always a tool yeah. So it, it really becomes almost like a lifestyle more than just following the full creative problem solving process. Right, yeah. Yeah, great. You have researched and worked extensively on the topics of mindfulness and the role of a heightened sense of awareness for leaders. Can you share some insights for the audience? Yeah, and in fact, I um, one of the ways that I without a doubt, wouldn't have been able to be successful without using creative problem solving was developing that um, executive leadership and change program at Damon, now leadership and innovation. Um, but even the beginning there, um, CPS has always been a foundational piece of it. And the relationship to mindfulness for me was just that heightened sense of awareness. Um, so really paying attention to what's going on within you, uh, those others that are gonna be involved in the particular situation and the, the general context, the system. And so early on, I uh, coined the phrase, keeping three eyes open. 
3EO. In fact, if you probably uh, ask any of the students who've gone through the program at Damon, they'll know 3EO. But 3EO uh, led me uh, through uh, working with another faculty member in the program uh, into the whole realm of mindfulness. And um, I got introduced to uh, contemplative education uh, and was just intrigued that so many of my inherent ways of thinking about creativity and teaching and leadership were involved in this official organizational study and research that's been going on. So I was really excited uh, and then became much more involved uh, with the mindfulness movement, particularly the, um, the local group, uh, the Mindfulness Alliance, uh, that's been around for probably four years now. And we had a great, uh, a great gathering a few years ago before uh, the pandemic uh, over at the uh, Adams Mark Hotel. We got together with hundreds of people that share and come together and look at the applications of mindfulness. Tell us more about what the um, Mindfulness Institute is up to and what, how did it come about? Well, it started with the, uh, there was a, a program at UB that brought in uh, people that were interested in applying mindfulness to education really, really under the umbrella of contemplative education. And there was such an interest, uh, those organizers, and I was kind of on the side. In fact, it was during SIPSI. So I was not able to attend the conference that year. I was across campus at, uh, at SIPSI. But the organizers had such a great response and I, was, I got involved working with them and came up with the idea to come up with our own local Tax exempt. I was thinking of those initials. Oh, 501c3. Yeah. So that we formed that and then have continued to work. And it's been uh, challenging over the last 18 months or so, uh, but looking at putting together a curriculum that can promote the development of mindfulness individually and then collectively and then beyond that in terms of uh, organizationally and uh, hopefully through, through a community focus as well. I know that's in, been in the planning stages for a while, as uh, I think Kim's quite aware. It, it's, a, it's a very hot term these days, uh, mindfulness. So if you could tell the uninitiated in a sentence uh, what is described as mindfulness, uh, could you do that? I can give it my best shot, and I'll, I'll look at it from my end of this. Uh, it's, it's having that heightened sense of awareness. So it's, it's taking the time to become settled and centered and trying to um, get rid of those distractions, get rid of all of those, uh, you know how we talk about deferring judgment? It's, it's kind of related to that, but just really taking a chance and it sometimes involves breathing quite often to just settle down and focus in on what's, what's really happening at uh, present with you and then putting, that sense of uh, um, calm, I think, taking it forward into those things that you need to, to work on. So it can be done as a healthful thing. It can be a stress reduction thing, as well as the ability, I think, to become more focused in whatever your work is. And that's how I used it in class. And in fact, we have, uh, we call it a moment of mindfulness before we start class. And we do a variety of things just to get people settled and focused. They're all working adults. They're coming in usually from working an eight hour, 10 hour day. Uh, and just finding that moment of mindfulness really helps uh, change the atmosphere in the room. 
uh, in a real productive way. Oh, I'm, I'm on your side on that. And, and we know Sid was always looking to uh, even uh, the Eastern arts and Eastern philosophies sure. um, and several other ways to uh, explore. And we often talk about uh, when we do data gathering, we, we go well beyond the uh, facts on paper and go into emotions and uh, feelings and things. And maybe in what you've just been discussing, you're presaging uh, your answer here, but uh, what do you see as the the future of creativity and where would you like to see our community focus? Well, when I think about that, it really comes into uh, the realm of hope. I'm hopeful that we can use some of what we've learned and our learning about creativity and the ability to be uh, collectively collaborative to bridge the the big divide that seems to be there in our country. And I, I do think there's a wonderful opportunity um, to do that on that um, kind of emotion, emotionally and personally divisive level, but also just with all, with everything that's changed through COVID, so many opportunities to, to build on the strengths and to overcome some of the negatives there and, and just using some of these processes to do that. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. So I think that hopefully, you know, that uh, we can all be part of facilitating that. Hopefully we're going to lean on hope. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm liking that. Uh, well, you make me think of uh, um, at Winterfest once. So we had George Land there. Mm. And he goes, oh, I, I know I could kind of let my hair down because I'm talking to you creative types. And he gave a whole talk about how uh, at his age, uh, when he presented to us, his whole thing was about love. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel, I feel like you're uh, um, uh, kind of playing in the same sandbox. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to see uh, how might we um, really uh, jump in. And, and we saw how uh, Sid was able to help Kubis uh, uh, and, and yeah. what happened in South Africa. Hmm. Wonderful example. Yeah. Of real world situations taking advantage. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I'm interested as well, this history you have with SIPSI, um, the Creative Problem Solving Institute. How have you seen that evolve the future? Oh, Sipsi, uh, again, it's one of those um, uh, early on situations after taking the four courses in, uh, in 1970 and 71, we were able to take um, independent study courses uh, with Sid and Ruth. And then as part of the independent study course, uh, we were introduced to Sipsi. Uh, so I think it must have been 1970, probably 1972, 73. Uh, I ran the film room, which was literally running film, yeah, acetate films uh, uh, for people who were on break or after dinner. And um, that's when I was introduced to the film. And I actually still show a clip of it sometimes in class of Why Man Creates. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And if you've seen it before, watch it again. It's a, it's a great short film. That's a new one. I but have to watch through it. Through that, I stayed involved. Um, as I was working with the uh, Creative Living Center, I was offered the opportunity to go through uh, facilitation training at SIPSI. I think it was just F1 and F2. It had different variations of numbers and lengths then. Um, but so that, that started my involvement of becoming more involved in SIPSI and 
coming back and being involved as a, uh, as a facilitator, uh, worked a number of years with the YouthWise program. That's a wonderful program, the opportunity to take advantage of that. Tony, I, I know that you and your family have taken advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, but Sipsi's incredible. It's just, um, it's one of those experiences that uh, it's, it's um, I don't think you can replicate it. Uh, especially back in, back in the days, some of the, you know, the experiences we had with George Land and, and others who um, were, the, were there at Buff State, when it was back over at Buff State. And it's amazing how many of our speakers, Tony, have found their way to creativity through Sipsi. It's, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, the, the last question, the close that we ask each of our speakers is, Tell us about your creative flow. <laughs> creative flow. You know, it, it's, um, I think two things come to mind. Well, one I just mentioned at Sipsy. When I attend Sipsy, it, it's just different. I see things different. I hear things differently. I definitely back when I was doing more of it, I would dance differently. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it, I just felt so alive. So that to me was, that's that sense of flow. It's just alive in every aspect of what you're involved in. Um, so that's definitely one of, one of those. And I think um, kind of a follow-up from that or maybe an extension of that is when I'm in, and I think it's more being a participant in a well-facilitated CPS session. Uh, I think a good facilitator just gets you engaged and you're, you're on a roll, you're, you're going, you're deferring judgment uh, you're, and it just, just feels great. It's one of those times where I, I feel at my best. Uh, sometimes uh, I sense a, a, a flow when I'm teaching. Uh, we have a kind of, we call it a, a uh, cohort-based graduate seminar with a focus on seminar. And so when we truly get into those deep discussions that go beyond what we've been reading, uh, I sense that, that flow then and just being able to get people involved, pull them out, you know, dig into different topics. Uh, I think that's my educator flow. Uh, but then my heartfelt flow is without a doubt, uh, spending time with the grandkids. Um, just being able to be there and to be completely immersed and at that level of engagement with the grandkids. It's a, it's a sense of flow that uh, I hope everyone gets to enjoy. I love that you have multiple flows. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, just watching my own kids uh, go from uh, their first Sipsy experiences to being the young adults they are now. And oh my gosh. now I get to watch my... Uh, uh, partners, uh, nieces at ages, uh, you mm. know, uh, six and five and three is just, it's magic. It, it is truly magic. And, um, I was just saying the other day how kids don't need what we do. You know, uh, it's kind of adults need it because it's drummed out of them. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's part of why we, uh, yeah, will always right. have a job, uh, bringing creativity to adults because, um, kids don't need it, but uh, yeah, it is it is magic. Uh, 
Well, thank you uh, so much uh, uh, for bringing us a piece of history and mm. and currency. You know, it, it, the other beautiful thing uh, we found about our guests is that they um, all seem to find uh, vitality in the present. Uh, no mm. one is just coasting through life uh, at no matter what age. And we've had people uh, uh, from their 20s uh, and up. Um, and it's I, I feel it's a beautiful energy. I, I look at looked at Sid and B and I never felt um, <laughs> an aged feeling in either. I know, of them. I know. They went right up to uh, right up to the edge uh, and they continue to. So it's watching over us, no doubt. But thanks again for coming. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, this is Anthony Bellani and Kimberly McKernan. And we invite you to tune in again to the Creative Flow series. And we hope you will translate your creative flow into action and that your actions change the world.